0: Well, good morning Heights family. It's sure good to see everybody today and let me welcome all of our friends. If you're here today at the invitation of somebody in our church, I just want to say we're very privileged and honored that you would give up a Sunday morning and come see what we do on our Sunday mornings. And I sure hope you enjoy it, are comfortable and Maybe even have an encounter with God. We're sure glad that you are, are here and that you have a, a, a great morning with us. If you've just come out of life group or or maybe are going to be going to a life group right after this hour, uh, then you have heard or will hear something about baggage. That's a, a little bit of a theme of their lesson today. And so I thought kind of since that's what was being talked about, today would be a, an appropriate place, a time to confess that I have P.A.D., packing anxiety disorder do you know what i'm talking about yeah now it's not that actually that funny it hurts it's it you know it's a difficult thing for a lot of people uh, that have pad it is a fear of not packing enough right some of you all know what that is you just you just you're packing i'm not going to have what i need i'm just the opposite I have a fear of packing too much. My kids mock me for this. I, I would literally, this is the honest truth, I would rather go somewhere and not have what I need than get home and unpack and see a pair of slacks and a couple of shirts I never wore. And oh my gosh, if it's a pair of shoes, that just completely undoes me because that's so bulky and big in the, in the bag, Right? I mean, this is just such a horrible failure on my part and now I can't redeem myself until the the next trip and I don't have enough trips to live with that failure, okay? Man, for me, victory is packing right and light. Say that with me, right and light. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Now, when you suffer with this, that makes a long trip pretty difficult, doesn't it? And I'm not just talking about long because there's a, a lot to pack on a long trip. But don't long trips usually mean more variables? I mean, the longer the trip, there's more of this, well, we might be going here. We might be doing. And you've got to pack something for all the mites. That just, it, that sounds weird, doesn't it? Pack something for the mites. It, that just undoes me. I'm pack, I'm putting stuff in I know I'm not going to wear. It just paralyzes me. It just paralyzes me. Fortunately, we can kind of laugh about that and and move on. But you know what? There's a reality, though, that we're all on a long trip, aren't we? We call it life. And and as we go through that long trip, we, we end up collecting bags. We end up putting stuff in that bag. Isn't this crazy? We put stuff in the bags we don't want to carry. We put it in there and we can't get it out and it just, it weighs down life. It's pretty difficult to move through this life without end up packing some disappointment, some regret, some failure, some hurt, some anger. And we start packing this stuff in and we load it and we have to carry it with us wherever we go. It makes life tiring. It takes a lot of fun out of life. You know, there's a story in the Bible of a traveler dealing with some baggage. Now, you won't see the word baggage, but looking at what he's attracted to, what he's dealing with, it, it seems pretty clear to me he's dealing with some baggage. And we get the chance to see him become right and, and light with the Lord, let's, let's look at that story. If you have a Bible with you today, turn with me to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Or if you have a Bible app on your phone, dial it up there. Uh, Acts 8. You'll find Acts in the New Testament, the back half of your Bible. Uh, it's past the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you come to Acts. Acts chapter 8. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 26. Acts 8 verse 26. It says there, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he did, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit ran to Philip, Go over and walk alongside, beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, so he asked, Do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, How can I when there's, there's no one to instruct me? And he begged Philip to come into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of Scripture he had been reading was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter." And as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, was Isaiah talking about himself or someone else? So, So Philip began with this same scripture and then used many others to tell him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Now, what we see in our traveler is a lot of intensity. Do you pick that up in this story? I know that he is intensely seeking God. Do you realize he just went from one continent to another to go to church? He went from North Africa, he went from Ethiopia, and it says, and he went to Jerusalem to worship. I don't know how far you came to be here with us today, but you didn't travel that far, okay? He is crossing continents. I don't know why. The passage doesn't tell me. Had In his world travels, had he been to Jerusalem before and heard, seen, interacted with something that made him say, man, I got to come back. I got I to figure out what this is about, what's going on here. Or, or had he just heard you know, maybe one of his friends had been there and he'd heard about what was going on there and just dealing with what's going on in his own life said, man, I got to go, I got to go seek this out. But he has gone from Northern Africa to, to, to the Middle East to go to church. I know that he's intensely seeking this thing out because where do we find him? on the side of the road, reading the Bible. And and when you look at the passage, you understand the passage. He's dealing with God. He's dealing with God's love. He's dealing with forgiveness. Hey, if you're challenged by forgiveness, you're usually challenged by guilt, aren't you? You're usually struggling with some things in your life. And, you know, usually the side of the road is not where you're trying to answer the big questions of life, is it? Unless maybe like this guy, you're just saying, hey, listen, I, I, I can't go any farther. We got, we got to stop. I, I got to deal with this. And, and so we find him reading Isaiah there. And Philip comes up to him and says, hey, hey, what are you reading? He says, hop in the car. <laughs> can you, see, see the intensity driving this guy? I mean, can you imagine you're, you're driving up I-95 and, and what is it? You get about what, 10, 15 miles north of Richmond. There's that first rest stop. Right there, you, and you pull in and you're sitting there and you're, you're reading, you're looking at your phone and somebody knocks on the window, what are you going to do? You're going to say, hop in? Hey, I'd love to be able to discuss what I'm reading with. No, you're not going to, you're probably going to start the car and get out of there, aren't you? I'm not, I'm not letting somebody, but he does that. Not a car, obviously, it's his chariot, a carriage. He says, hey, c- c- come, why would he do that? I'm I'm guessing this intensity, the same intensity that led him from one continent to another, the same intensity that has him on the side of the road trying to figure this out, said, hey man, maybe he just looked at him and sensed this is an answer. That this is something God is is doing. And he says, "Can can you tell me what this is about? And they're reading out of Isaiah. Now, Isaiah is written in the 700s B.C., And the passage that they're reading is Isaiah 53. As a matter of fact, you might want to turn there. We're going to look at it in just a second. But he's reading from Isaiah, written over 700 years before Jesus walked on this earth. And when you get to Isaiah 53, what you're going to find is it's a real description, very detailed description of what Jesus did at the cross and why he did that at the cross. As a matter of fact, it's so detailed it almost sounds like it would have had to have been written 700 years after Jesus walked on this earth. This writer is working with way too many facts to be writing about something that hasn't happened yet. As a matter of fact, if if, if I was a skeptic, I don't know about this Bible thing. I, don't, I have a lot of stories in here. I'm not sure. Hey, Isaiah 53 is one of those passages. Where, wait, how did that happen? Maybe, maybe I need to pay attention to some of this. Let's look at it real quickly. Isaiah 53. If you're not already there, you go to the Psalms. I think that's about the easiest book in the Bible to find, isn't it? Just kind of right there in the middle. Go to the Psalms and turn right. And uh, you won't go too far before you get to Isaiah 53. Let me, I'm going to start reading in verse 4. The, the passage we read in Acts quoted verse 7. So I'm just picking up a few verses before that. It said, yet it was our weaknesses he carried. That's Jesus. It wasn't his weaknesses that that he was dealing with the weight of. It wasn't his weaknesses that he was having to drag around in his bags. It was was my weakness. It was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. He wasn't weighed down by the failure and the hurt of his own life. He, He was weighed down by my failure weighed down by my hurt. Do you hear the, the weightiness of this passage? This, remember, we got him on the side of the road. This is what he's dealing, reading. This is what he's dealing with. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins. But he was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was whipped and we were healed. All of us, all of us in this room... You're a religious person, you're not a religious person. You're a pretty good person, you're not so much. Doesn't really matter. All of us have strayed away like sheep. We have left God's path to follow our own. Did you know good people leave God's path to follow their own? Did you know religious people leave God's path to follow their own? All of us have done this. Every single one... Yet the Lord laid on him, laid on Jesus, the guilt and sins of us all. The guilt we accumulate, the sin we accumulate as we go our own path. And really in our own path, folks, you can be a good person. There's still arrogance there. There's still pride there. I can do what I want. I can make up my own rules. I don't need somebody telling me what to do. I, I, I can decide who God is. I can decide what religion I'm going to follow. It, you, you can have all that arrogance and still right there on your own path. And that brings guilt and sin. And it says God took that guilt and sin that you and I built and he put it on Jesus. And then verse 7 is where we, we saw that our guy was beginning to read back in Acts 8. Look at the, near the end of verse 9. It says he was buried like a criminal... And he was put in a rich man's grave. He was buried like a criminal. Jesus died like a criminal. Do you remember when Jesus hung on the cross? Who was on each side of him? Two criminals, right? Two thieves. He died like a thief. He died like a criminal. And and after he died, they, they took him off the cross and... And a guy by the name of Joseph of Arimathea was there. Joseph was a a wealthy man, a rich man. Had a very nice tomb. I mean, a really nice tomb. Right there within sight of Golgotha. Right, I mean, just a stone's throw away from where the cross was. And he said, he can use my grave. He was killed like a criminal. But he ended up in a rich man's grave. Over 700 years before it happened. It was the same passage that says he was pierced in the hands and feet, right? He was pierced for for my transgressions. And so these are the words, these are the phrases that are going through this Ethiopian's mind. This is what Philip is is talking with him about. And he says, hey, listen, man, the, the guilt, the sins that have accumulated in your lives, Jesus carried that. Jesus carried what you can't carry. Jesus paid for what you can't paid for. You know what? You and I should be crushed, but he was crushed. He was crushed under the weight of our sin, the weight of the death we deserve, under the hell that we deserve. He got up under all that so that you and I wouldn't have to carry that weight. You know, there's a lot there, isn't there? I mean, that, that, hey, you can go through these ideas. I got a question. Why? What? How does that? I mean, there's a lot of questions that flow out of a passage like this. Very simple statements. Still some big questions. I, I don't know from the passage how long Philip and the Ethiopian talked. I don't, I don't know if they were there for 30 minutes. I don't, I don't know if they were there for three hours. But it says that Philip shared with them the good news of Jesus. So I know whatever questions went back and forth, whatever dialogue they were having, ultimately, Philip looked at him and said, man, here's what you got to know. God loves you. God loves you. And, and your bags, they are a problem. The bags, what you got in there, your guilt, your sin, your failure, your rebellion that you're dragging around, it, it, is, it is a problem. It really makes you not like God. It really makes you not like His heaven. But what did we just read? Yet the Lord was pleased to take all of that about you that that makes you so unworthy of God, so unworthy of heaven and and put it on Jesus and let Jesus carry that weight. He would be crushed for what should crush you and me. The Bible says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world. That's you, right? God so loved the world that whoever, are you a whoever? Yeah, who who am I? Well, I'm I'm what I've done. I've i I've, I've where I've been. So you can kind of plug those words in there. Whoever, whoever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, whoever would believe would not perish, would not perish, would not be crushed under the weight of sin and death and hell. But whoever believes would not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes could be right and light with God. Well, man, how does, that, how does that happen? How can I know God's love? How can I experience that? How can I have Jesus do that for me? Romans 10.9 says that if we confess Jesus as Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. That's a promise, isn't it? That's a, that's a promise that if I will confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. Now, what's that mean? It means I believe him to be God. I'm not just, it's, it's not just saying, hey, if you'll just utter these words, they're magic and poof. It's not, oh, yeah, Jesus is God. There, I said it. Am I good? No, when I, what, what I'm saying, I'm confessing this to be my faith, my hope, my belief. That means I believe him to be God. He's Everything. He's number one, he's who I obey, he's who I follow, he's what I'm counting on, he's what I live for. I confess Jesus to be God and I believe that he was raised from the dead. My faith, my hope, my confidence is in what Jesus did for me at the cross and the resurrection proved that it worked and the resurrection proved that he is the son of God. If we confess that, then there's a promise there. And folks, God wants to fulfill that promise in your life right here, right now. So well, h- how do you do that? How do you confess Jesus to be Lord and, and confess this belief that God raised him from the dead? You know, I think depending on the church you grew up in, if you grew up in a church, and not all of us did, but if, if you did, you probably saw a variety of ways that people confess their faith. Sometimes in church, we see people come down an aisle Have you ever been in a place where they said, hey, repeat this prayer after me? Sometimes we say a prayer. You know, what's interesting is you look at all the stories in the New Testament of somebody confessing their faith, of coming to Christ. Did you know that 100% of the time they do the exact same thing? 100% of the time they're baptized. Instantly, spontaneously, right there on the moment. If you turn back to Acts chapter 2, Peter is preaching And he says, who wants to receive Christ? And 3,000, 3,000 come forward. And 3,000 are baptized that day. And and then we go a few more pages in Acts 8. And it's just one person, right? It's just the story. There was 3,000 that one day. And here's a story of just one. Philip and the Ethiopian. And obviously in something they shared, he realized, hey, I want to confess my faith. And he said, there's water. Why not me? Why not right now? Why not right now for you? I know baptism brings kind of a lot of uh, questions to mind. As a matter of fact, we might look up there and see somebody being baptized and just kind of assume, well, man, praise the Lord for them. They got all their questions answered. Folks, the person up there doesn't have all their questions answered. As a matter of fact, I think you'll find, you can ask the rest of us in here, you're going to be answering, you're going to be asking and getting questions answered right up to the day you step into heaven. You might think, well, look at them, man, they're out there getting baptized. They must have finally got life cleaned up, and now they're exactly like God wants them to be. Mm, probably not. As a matter of fact, I think you can ask the rest of us around you, we're working on cleaning up our life and getting it where it needs to be, and probably going to be doing that right up to the day we step into heaven, Right? Yeah, that's not a picture of somebody who's all their questions are answered and their life is cleaned up and straightened up. That's a picture of a person who's doing the very same thing Jesus did. Jesus gave you and I baptism as a place to confess, as a place to start following him. It's hard to follow Jesus, isn't it? I mean, he's better than I am. He just always does the right thing. But that's my challenge, that's your challenge to follow him and to live life like him. But think of this, folks, the very first step we take with him, how easy is that? He got into the waters of baptism, not for the same reason that you and I would, but as a model and as an example. And he said, start following me right here. Let this first act of doing just what I did be the place you start following Hey, maybe you have questions today. I want to help you answer those questions. As a matter of fact, let me say this. If you want to be baptized today, you can get up. I'm going to to talk for about another two or three minutes. But at any time this morning, from now on, you can get up. You can step out of these rows, come down this aisle, and go out this door or this door. And when you go through that door, what you're going to find is people who are prepared to help you. Now, there's some simple things like you're thinking, I'm not, I, I can't get baptized in this. That's all right. We got clothes for you. We've got a towel for you. We've got everything that you need so that in about 15 minutes, you walk back out here just like you look now, except in a new relationship with Jesus Christ and the security of heaven and God's love and God's forgiveness in front of you. Also, what you'll find through those doors is some counselors, some people who want to answer any questions that you might have about this. Listen, There's questions. There's nothing wrong with having questions. I would just say, look at the Ethiopian. He went to God to get the questions answered. Not moved further away from them. Not, not stayed away. Moved toward God to get those questions answered. And you know what? When you get back there, maybe we won't answer your questions. Maybe you'll feel like, ah, I'm still not sure. You know what? That's okay. Just say, hey, if it's okay, I'd like, I'd like to wait a little bit. I'd like to wait for another time. Listen, we want to help you take a step of faith. We don't want to force you to take a step of faith. We don't want to get you back there and make you feel trapped in taking a step of faith. We want to help you take that step of faith. It's Jesus that invites you to come and receive this promise in your life. It's God who says right now, today, I want to save you. I want you to know the joy and the peace of being right and light. You know, that's a good, two good words for packing. You know what the Bible word is for right and light? Righteous. What Jesus gives you and me, folks, is an opportunity. The opportunity to know that as I move every day closer to God and to standing before him, that I can know I'm gonna stand before him and be declared righteous. Righteous. I am absolutely confident if that day comes for me today or it comes in another 30 or 40 years, I'm absolutely confident I'm going to be declared righteous. Now, you know, somebody could hear that and say, well, that sounds kind of arrogant. Sounds like you're really just all up in your life. No, my, my confidence is not in my performance. My confidence is not in how righteously I'm living. My confidence is in Jesus' performance for me already at the cross. Do you want to know that you're going to be found righteous before God? Then confess your faith in Christ. And the New Testament shows us people. Sometimes it's just one person. Sometimes it's 3,000. But every time they're confessing that faith right there in those waters. There's water. Why not you? Why not right now? Folks, we're going to stand and we're going to have a time of worship. And if this is something you want to happen in your life, again, whether we're sitting down and I'm talking or whether we're standing and singing, you just make your way out of the row. I know if you're, gosh, if you're right in the middle of one, you may say, I can't get out. If you tap the person next to you and say, I need to go down and be baptized, I promise you. They're going to enjoy sliding out of your way, okay? So you just step out and come to these doors at any time this morning that you're ready to make this decision. Let's stand. Let's worship our God as he moves and works in our midst.